with the Lord. So let us bow as for a word of prayer. Dear Father God, we thank you once again tonight for all that you have done, you are doing, and you are going to do. Thank you because your mercies endure forever. As we come to feast at your table once again, we thank you because you are going to enrich our lives with better and greater revelation of your word. Thank you, Father God, for the great things that you are doing for us again. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Shout it louder. Amen. All right. Fantastic. Glory to God. Now, um, three weeks ago, we talked about uh, different genres, uh, literary genres of the Bible. And um, I showed you that there are different genres to, to the Word of God so that it helps you to note whenever you approach the table of the Word of God, um, helps you to be able to analyze it effectively and um, so that you avoid making mistakes. Now, in music, there are different music genres. There are styles. All right, when we talk about genres, we're talking about styles. Okay, so there are different styles of music and there are also different types or styles of literary works. So for instance, in music, we have the R&B, we have the Makosa, we have the uh, Afro, Afro pop, they call it Afro pop, we have the Juju, we have um, hip hop, different ones. Now, all these styles have their different beats that when you hear them, you are able to decipher where it belongs. Now, the same thing with the word of God too, the Word of God has different literary styles that with which they are written so that when you understand those styles, it helps you to approach your study and know what you are studying. Now, I gave about six different literary styles that we have in the Word of God. Um, the first one is the narrative. The narrative. Okay, so the narrative genres, um, these are historical accounts of events people and places, um, historical accounts of events, people and places. So narrative generally are just talking about events, people and places. So for instance, now when you look at the book of Ruth, okay, the book of Ruth, you know that, yes, it's just talking about an account, event that took place. Oh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke is a narrative because it's, it's just talking about the account and the event in the life of Jesus. Everything surrounds Jesus. Okay, so um, so these are narratives. Okay, so um, Genesis also, when you look at Genesis, Exodus, you know, there are accounts of events that took place. Now, in narrative, you have to know that it's like when somebody tells you that uh, story, 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 once upon a time, time, time. Now, you, you know, of course, once you hear that opening line, you know that, hey, what you're about to read is a storyline, is an account. So narrative, yes, even though you can deduce doctrine for, from, from it, but it's not really for doctrine. It's for, it's for you to have an overview of what took place about that event, about that incident, um, as, so about that historical account. Amen. Then we then have prophecy, uh, the prophecy genre. So these ones are, are the book that contains messages from God regarding future events, warnings of judgment, and calls to repentance. So in narrative, you have um, contains messages from God regarding future events, warnings of judgment, and calls to repentance. So um, in this um, prophetic one or prophetic genre, you then that's where you have the book of Habakkuk, Jeremiah, 
Isaiah, um, uh, Joel, and all this. They are, they, when you look at them, they are actually warnings, prophecy about future events, and um, God warning people and messages from God. Now, in this particular one, you then have what we call the major and minor prophet. Like I explained to you, that the word major or minor prophet does not mean that they are more important, but it actually means that what? That it, the, number one, the volume of their prophecy. Okay, it has to majorly do with the volume of their prophecy or the volume of their work. So when you whenever you hear major prophets, you know that, oh, they have more volumes, more chapters. Minor prophets, three chapters, two chapters, you understand? Number two is that uh, major prophets prophesied over a um, longer period of time than the ones that, that are regarded as minor prophets. Number three, they have assorted events that they, they prophesied about. So, event reading about warnings, about judgment, about future events. But minor prophets, uh, they are limited in their prophecy to a particular scope. So, for instance, when you look at the book of Jonah, you know, it all ended with Nineveh. After Nineveh, everything about Jonah um, was off. That's why they are regarded as what? Minor prophets. Okay? So, you then have the, the book of the law, the law literary or the law general, okay, um, which is also what some call Torah and um, another called the Pentateuch, uh, which is now Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, five books, um, and it's also called the five books of Moses, majorly, um, that Moses wrote, even though you see, see some of the th writings of Moses in Psalm, but these are the five um, major books of Moses. Then we have the um, wisdom general or wisdom literary style, um, which is um, which gives us insight for living, majorly insight for living, instructions on how to live according to God's law and commandment. So this is where you have, okay, some part of Exodus, um, I, I mean um, Proverbs, I mean Ecclesiastes, and songs of Job, um, Job. These are major um, wisdom generals, okay, Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Majorly. Then we have the epistles. The epistles um, is another word for letters. Letters. Okay? Letters. So epistles are letters that were written to different audience. And you know, whenever you hear the word epistles, you should know that it is the word for letter. So it was letters that were written to different churches um, um, and, or different people. Okay, in the Bible that were now collated, and you, epistles are actually found in the New Testament. So you have, for instance, now you have uh, Romans, First uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Thessalonians. They are epistles. They are letters, and um, and remember that every letter has specific audience. Okay, every letter has specific audience. So you know one of the doctrinal issues that people, the body of Christ, have had sometimes is that they take some of these epistles. Um, which sometimes are contextualized. Some of the instructions are, are, is because um, they are addressing a particular congregation. And you know what we call high contest and low contest. High contest means when I'm writing a letter, I assume that my audience knows everything about um, what I'm writing about. In other words, in terms of cultural background, in terms of um, um, the context with which some of the words I'm writing. So for instance, now if I'm writing to a Nigerian person, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about um, Yoruba people. I don't like the, the way Yoruba people laugh. You know, it, 
a typical Nigerian person, I don't need to explain how Yoruba people are based in the southwestern part of Nigeria and they consist of five states. You know, once I say a Yoruba man, a typical Nigerian man knows the geopolitical zone I am referring to. But if I'm writing to someone in China, that's a low contest, all right? It, I will not assume that they will understand what I mean, um, Yoruba man. And now the last. So I have to explain in bracket the southwestern part of Nigeria. Who, you know, I have to give him a background of who the Yoruba people are because he has not been here. He did not, so he may not understand some of the references I'm making to Yoruba people. Or when I say APC, so APC to a, a, a Chinese man may mean, may mean something else. So I cannot just write APC. APC are bad. Don't, don't relate with APC, but a typical Nigerian man, when I say APC, or know that, okay, I'm talking about a political party in Nigeria. So that is a low what? Contest. So a low contest is that I will understand that my audience do not know anything or may not be enlightened about what um, the, the environment I'm writing or the references I'm going to make. So in low contest, writing when you pick up some book you then see that when they mention a word they will put in brackets the meaning of the word because they are the, the author assumes and is aware that there will be people who will be reading this material but may not have an idea of what i am saying in this context so that's a low context writing but unfortunately the bible especially the epistles is a high contest writing the high contest writing is that you will see that for, for, for instance, now you see Paul writing specifically to the Romans. So he knows that, they, so he expects that because it's a letter that is written to a particular audience, he did not explain a lot of things. So he was using words um, that the audience will understand. So for instance, you, you will hear words like in the Bible, um, like, like um, when we say that, okay, you are, you are indebted to the Jerusalem um, church. When Paul used the word, you are indebted to the Jerusalem church to give to them. It does not mean that they owe. In fact, what it actually means in, in the Roman context, when any Roman audience see the word indebted, in, in, in Rome, there's something they say that there's no free meal. You know the word? There is the law of reciprocity, which means that if I do something for you, one way or the other, you owe me back. The day I do something for you, you must pay me back one way or the other, you are indebted to me for everything I do. So, in, when Paul was writing to the Roman audience or when he was talking, so he, he was actually talking to the audience that understood the law of reciprocity, that, oh, because the Jews have brought the gospel to us, to you Romans, you have been blessed through the ministry of the Jews. So, you owe the Jews an obligation to give back to them your material wealth. So, the people he was writing to in that context understood what it meant. So, you see, so when sometimes somebody just come to you, for instance, now, and they say that, oh, um, the Bible says that we should not do this. The first thing that should actually come to your mind sometimes is where is that found in the Bible? When you find out where it's found, then your mind should quickly type, which genre is that? Is it narrative general? Because if it's an historical account, you know, you cannot just use that historic account to then form a doctrine. The other one I, I, I didn't talk about is poetry, which is where we are going to actually pick up Sam. Deliberately, I omitted it to a larger extent, poetry. So that's the sixth general. Okay. So um, I need to say this. So and then when it comes to the epistles, the epistles were not arranged based on dates. 
So it does not mean that uh, the book of Rome came, was written first, then first Corinthians, second. No, it was also arranged based on their volumes. So go and read. It is in a descending order. From today, go and check, open your Romans, go and read from Romans to, you see that it is in descending order, from the longest chapters to the least chapters. So when you open Romans, you say Romans is the longest, followed by Corinthians. Then they also group them by, um, by, by, the, uh, by the church, by the grouping. So there is something called pastoral letters. So first Titus. First Timothy, Second Timothy, they are, they are written to specific pastors, Titus and Timothy. So they group them. To, then they, they are letters to churches. So churches, Romans, First Corinthians, Thessalonians, they are written to churches. In fact, the first letter that Paul actually wrote was Galatians. But it, it has less volume. I hope this is clear. Because we need, as children of God, to have this basic um, biblical um, foundation. Now, let me, let me say this to you. I understand from some of the tables feedback I've gotten that, you know, sometimes it's so hard. It is normal. If it is not hard, the first time you are hearing this, then you are not a Bible student. I, so, the, because for some of us, this is the first time we are hearing this. I'm still going to repeat this again in June. No, no, after the first, this is the first, this is June already. In other words, this is the first half. We are going to repeat this series in the second half of the year. Sometime later in the second half of the year. But I bet you something. By the time we are repeating it, it will not be as hard as this. Because for some of us, we've never heard it before. It's our first time. So I'm not expecting you to be perfect. In fact, when you are hearing a sermon for the first time, okay, what you are going to be hearing is majorly like information. When you hear it the second time, that is when you are information or inspiration. But the second time is familiarization. The third time is knowledge. The knowledge. So you see that, for instance, I, every time I come here, I, those of you, I, you see me repeat the same thing. Now some of you are like, until you get to the point where you hear me saying something and you can say it before I say it. That time, you are entering into the knowledge zone, all right? Then, do you then get to the final point where you then get to the application point, where what you are hearing is now become part and parcel of your life, okay? So, when you come to church on Sunday, most of what you hear the first time are inspiration. What a good sermon. You pray, I like my pastor's preaching. But if they ask you subsequently, what did pastor preach? Oh, boy, I just remember the joke. I remember the joke. I remember this. Because you heard the information. But if I repeat it the second time, um, you become familiar a bit. By the second, the third, fourth time, you get the knowledge. But you see, that is not where you should stop. You need to move into the point where you become applicable to your life. That's why if I ask you, for instance, now, do you know anything about the Ten Commandments? How many of you know that? Yes, you know that there's a Ten Commandment, right? But if I ask you, Give me the Ten Commandments. How many of you remember you, you struggle with it? But you know, because you see, you've not gotten to the level where you, have, you are familiar with the Ten Commandments, but you've not gotten to the point of knowledge and application. So, I have to say this to you that I want you to make it a, a, an aim that you will get all this series. Get the audio message. Get it on port beam. It's not something that, like I said, will motivate you. It what I've been given is to build you up. Build because so many people have gone astray 
because of not knowing all those things. There was a particular denomination in Nigeria that when I was growing up, began to say that if you watch TV, all right, if you watch TV, you will go to hell. Then you will go, and it, it be, people were throwing away their TV sets. But today, that particular denomination, all right, they are now even, they are broadcasting every week using more than a TV. They are even using satellites. They are using every form of technology. But do you know how many people were sent astray just because of that misinterpretation of the word? Do you know how many people became TV-less just because of that? Because people don't know how to interpret it in the context of the word. So the same thing today when you hear people say, don't wear trousers. For instance, a church that says a woman should not wear trousers, automatically you will realize that go to that any or such denomination. You will not see white people there. They've automatically cut off foreign mission to a large extent to becoming just a black and perhaps Nigerian. Imagine the white people when they were bringing the gospel to us, all right, saw people who were wearing Ankara and tying wrapper and said, you will go to hell for tying wrapper because they came with their trousers, but they saw us wearing tying what? Wrapper and gaily. And you see, but they had to separate culture from doctrine. They had to separate uh, what is not in the word from that is how come we are able to receive the gospel but today we turn it around and the error that they avoided is what we are now falling into so you see people saying all sorts of junk now how can you then go to scotland and preach how can you have a ministry in scotland because not in scotland you are not going to struggle with women wearing trousers you are going to struggle with men who are wearing skirts so that means you can't wear have a man wearing skirt come in <laughs> to your church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, when people don't understand the word of God, uh, and people just go to church because they like the pastor, or because um, they enjoy the thing, but what, they, what? how do you measure when the pastor has erred, or has gone astray? You don't have a way, you just take everything hook, line, and sinker, and you are not able to decipher and judge for yourself. Is this biblical? That is why I'm sharing all this with you. So, you, if there is anything you must know first, you must know the generous. You must know those generous of the Bible. It's very important. Because, you see, the other day I, I spoke about, um, that is not, it's not in this age and time. You need to not miss church for 60 days because, before you bring your children or your baby to, for dedication. Well, I say it's wrong. It's not right. And somebody said, oh, pastor, my former church. He said, it's right. Because in Leviticus, now when you open the book of Leviticus, for instance, you must understand that in need we have what, what is called cultural contest and eternal contest. Because if you want to really go into Leviticus, there are so many things we are doing today that is not Leviticus in nature. Let's put it that way. Because a lot of us are still wearing wool. A lot of you eat catfish. You eat rabbit meat. You eat pork meat like no man business. And you, on, and you say you are Leviticus. What kind of Leviticus is that? All right. Are, are you with me or you have gone home? Those of you who are joining online, I hope you are here. Okay, so now without much ado, last week I did an introduction to Psalms. Now today I want to help you and we're going to be diving deeper into Psalms. And um, those of you who were around last week, I, I, I know that I gave 
um, the different um, genres in Psalms. In, in the book of Psalms, Psalm generally is a poetry. It's poem. It's poetic in nature. It's poem. Psalms are poem. Now, in the midst of it also, there are different kinds of poem and genres in the Psalms. Now, um, so I gave you about seven of them last week. But now I'm going to tweak it a bit because today I want you to be able to, I want to narrow down on what there are on the particular psalm that most of us need to relate with more, which is the lamentation psalm. All right. So, but let's quickly go into the various types of psalm. So, the word psalm means praise, right? How many of you remember that? It means praise. Okay. And um, when you are reading psalms, one of the things I want you to understand about the book of psalm is that it is not meant to communicate doctrine, but to evoke emotions. Always remember that term. Psalms are, is designed in nature, is written in nature to invoke what? To invoke what? Emotions from the reader, not to communicate doctrine. So when you are reading the book of Psalms, you know that the, the intended purpose of the book of Psalms is to invoke emotion in you because they are praise. You know, there are some songs you, I remember when I was younger, there are, there are some songs I listened to, I would start crying. All right, I will start crying. Like, I remember, we are the word, we are the children, we are the word to make it better. Oh, when a, there are people die, when I see those children suffering, I was like, oh, for some of me, it's designed to, to communicate emotion. That's some particular song, you know, when they wrote that song, they want they, they, there's an aim, it was not something that they want you to use to dance. Right? So they don't expect you to do a lot of breakdown when you say, we are the world. Or is it we are the one or we are the world? We are the world, right? Uh, you, how come you know it? Ah, even me that I'm older than you, I've forgotten. <laughs> we are the children. We are the world to make a better place. So let us give it. You know, when that song, you know, when, when you, especially when you see the other blind man, there's a time to make it. <laughs> You know, I say, oh God, people are suffering. That song. So that is, that, that's the best picture I can give you for Psalms. All right? Okay, so now, types of Psalm. First one, lament Psalm. Lament Psalms. Then, um, so when we talk about lamentation Psalms, in fact, it's the major Majority of the Psalms fall into this category of Lamentation Psalms. Majority of the Psalms, because there are over 60 Lamentation Psalms. So out of the 150 Psalms, if one particular type had over 60. So Lamentation Psalms are the major uh, type of Psalms. So you need to understand that. So they express deep trust in God, help a person to express struggles, suffering, or disappointment to the Lord. So Lamentation Psalm express deep trust in God. They help a person to express struggles, suffering, or disappointment to the Lord. Okay. Are you there? Now, Lamentation Psalms are in two. There is what we call individual laments and corporate through community laments. Individual laments and uh, corporate through community laments. 
توحید ہے انڈیویجل دین کوپریٹ ٹو کمیونٹی بیکاز آف ٹائم بیکاز آئی ریلی جسٹ وانٹ ٹو فوکس آن لیمنٹیشن سو لیٹ می کوکلی گیو یو دا ڈفرینٹ ٹائپس آف سامس جنرل سو وی ہیو دا لیمنٹیشن وی ہیو دا ویزڈم سامس تھینس گیون سامس ٹرسٹ سامس رویل سامس Then hymnal psalms. I will start with again. Lament psalms. First one, lamentation psalms. Praise psalms, number two. Don't worry, you can't, in no particular order, just take it. Praise psalms. Wisdom psalms. Thanksgiving psalms. Trust psalms. Royal psalms. And um, hymnal psalms. Imnal Psalms. Now, lamentation have both individual and what we call communities to cooperate. So those are the two ways. Thanksgiving also has both individual and community. That's the thing that actually binds those ones together, which is praise psalm. Now, let me, when I talk about um, praise psalm, I'm talking about Thanksgiving psalm. Now, what makes... So let me quickly talk about Thanksgiving Psalm first before we then go back to Lamentation Psalm. Now, when it comes to corporate Thanksgiving, because you need to actually know the ones that are applicable. Okay, so Thanksgiving Psalms, okay, they are actually meant to help a person or group express thought or feeling of gratitude. Thanksgiving Psalms are Psalms that are designed to help you express thoughts and feelings of what? Gratitude for what God has done. So, And there are two ways. It's either you do it corporately or you do it as an individual. So, for instance, now, if God has done something for you as an individual and you are looking for psalms to, to, to use to express it, you see, then you can go for the individual ones. An example of the individual ones are Psalm 18, Psalm 30. There are 10 of them. So, Psalm 18... Psalm 30, Psalm 32, 34, 40, 66, 92, 116, 118, and 138. Again, individual thanksgiving psalm that you as an individual can use to thank God for what he has done. There are 10 of them. 10 specific ones. No, these are 10 major ones. It does not mean that you will not see words of appreciation in other one, but these are designed for individual thanksgiving. I will recall them again. Individual thanksgiving psalm number one is Psalm 18, 30, 32, 34, 40, 66, 92, 116, 118, and what's the last one? 138. So you see the difference between this week and last week. 
I gave you generally last week, but now I'm breaking it down further so that you will know where the corporate one is. Now, if you, as a family, um, maybe as a small group or as a church, you want to thank God, you are looking for corporate thanksgiving psalms, then your go-to should be Psalm 65. There are six of them. Psalm 65, Psalm 67, Psalm 75, Psalm 107, 124, and 136. 124 and 136. Are you there? Now, so let's go back to Lamentation Psalm, which is our focus for tonight. Okay, Lamentation Psalms. Remember I told you that there are individual lamentation and corporate to community lamentation. So, majorly, let me give you the key individual lamentation psalms that you can always use to pray. Okay? Um, now, how you will often understand the difference is, in the individual one, you see the psalmist using the word I, 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 I. In the corporate one, you will, not, you will see him use the word they, we. He's always using that third person um, um, uh, is it a preposition, I, I should say. Okay, so individual lament, Psalm 3, Psalm 22, Psalm 31, Psalm 39, 42, 57, 71, 88, 120, 139, and 142. And 142. Again, 3, 22, 31, 39, 42, 57, 71, 88, 120, 139, 142. Then the corporate community lament. Psalm for corporate so community lament are Psalm 12, 44, 80, 94, 137. Again. 12, 4, 4, 8, 0, 9, 4, and 1, 3, what? 7. Okay. Now, the challenge with most of the time when we want to use Psalms to pray, all right, is we don't really know. It's not, you see, it's not giving you um, I, I wrote something here with a, um, it's not giving you instruction but it's giving you a guide to pray so when because psalms are very powerful instruments in the place of prayer but I realize that most Christians do not know how to actually use it effectively in the place of prayer 
See, so just like the Lord's prayer that people normally say, our Father who art in heaven, and I will be thy name. No, Jesus did not give us instruction that that is how we should pray, but he gave us as a guide. He's supposed to guide us to pray. He did not instruct us to pray that particular prayer. So you see, when you pick up the psalm, yes, you can read word for word, but you see, the thing is that what if those words there are just one or two lines? Should you be stuck? No. It's, you must now, what I want to teach you right now is to be able to understand the guide, the elements in those Psalms so that beyond those words that are written, you will know where to be able to add your own prayer and add your own words to amplify what you are using to pray at that moment. So we are going to now look at the element of a psalm, of a lament psalm. The element of a lamentation psalm. Element of a lamentation psalm. Please remember that this element is what will guide you so that when you pick any of the individual lamentation psalm, you will know the principles behind it. Then you can then use it more effectively for prayer. Number one is address. Address. Because this is where we're going to actually address. So, Lamentation Psalm often opens up with address. In other words, the psalmist identifies the one to whom this prayer is meant to, address to. In this case, the prayer is addressed to who? Who is the prayer addressed to? So, you always see that he often opens with that opening address, showing, showing this is the person I am praying to. Because in their days, people pray to different idols. There are different kinds of idols. So that you will know the difference between his own prayer to an idol and the prayer to to the living God. So he's always giving a description of whom the prayer is addressed to. All right. Then the second thing is um, complain. 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 So after the opening address or the address, then what you see is the complain. Now the complain is a medium with which the psalmist pours out his heart honestly to God. Honestly to God, you know, and, and forcefully identify what the trouble is and why the Lord is being sought. So in terms of complaint, the psalmist pours out a complaint honestly and forcefully. And identifying what the trouble is and why the Lord is being sought. So in this particular one, you see the psalmist bearing his heart, you know, plainly. Now let me tell you why this complaint part is so important. In fact, this complaint part is one of the things that makes lamentation psalm lamentation psalm. When you get to the complaint part, it means it is an invitation to bear your heart to God. Lamentation psalm, or when it gets to the point of complaint, take it from me that it is actually an invitation to be angry and sin not. <laughs> it's an invitation to express, express your despair, your frustration. Your disappointment is an invitation to say it the way you feel. Because you see, there is difference between feeling and doing. Now, the Bible did not command us to feel love, but rather it commands us to do love. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. He said, when somebody came to ask him, which is the first commandment, he, he, then Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your uh, soul. Then he said, thou shalt love your neighbor. I said, yourself. I said, this do. 
It didn't say this, feel. So you know the word? When you then apply that to Lamentation Psalm, Lamentation Psalm is that is a, and is a, gives you the legitimate basis to express your feeling of anger without doing it. So you know the way it is? God is saying it is right to be angry, but I don't want you to do it. So when you come to the point of complaint, you express your frustration. So Lamentation Psalm gives you that protocol, ushers you into that protocol to, to verbalize your frustration, your fear, your disappointment to God. Because you see, when you go to some uh, a scripture, that, one of the scriptures that I have is Psalm 4 verse 4. Let's open to Psalm 4 verse 4. Look at what it says. Psalm 4 verse 4. Can, Tim, can you please give me Psalm 4 verse 4? Um, I, I want you to see what Psalm 4 verse 4 says on the screen. Psalm 4, verse 4. Guys, I've been praising you guys for some days now. Like they will say. It says, stand in awe and say not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Stand in awe and say not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and say not. Lamentation Psalm, when it gets to the part of complaint, is where you see the word uh, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do you know why? Because you see, there will be season in your life that you are praying and you are feeling frustrated. You are praying and it's like God is not answering. You are praying and it's like God is far. That season, if you don't express your feeling to God or before God, you can easily give a foothold to the devil in your life. So God is not, he, he wants you to be able to bear it all. You see, this is where a lot of us do not know that, that God has a place for bearing it all. So Lamentation Psalm is the place you just bear it all. You cry, you express it. Lord, I'm not happy with the way things are going. You know, that is Lamentation Psalm. So there is a place for that in your prayer. All right? Amen. Are, are you with me? So, you see, is it Lamentation Psalms helps you. That's why I've given you. Especially if, you, if I were you, those individual lamentations I've given to you, go and study them. You will feel very happy that you are not alone. You will see that by the time you finish, eh, you, have, you have poured all your anger before God and you are now picking up yourself and you are now going, say, Lord, you know, you know, <laughs> Are you there? So, it is, it is something that you must actually know that it is allowed in the place of prayer. Because if not, you'll be bearing the body and you feel that, oh Lord, no, if I say I should say it now, God can kill me. No. Go into lamentation psalm. Whenever you have words to say and you are afraid of saying it, you don't have to say it. Just look for lamentation psalms. And you will see that it will give you the word. So when you two get to that place of complaint, if you feel that that psalm is not complaining enough, what should you do? You know that this is the point of complaining this psalm. Then you should add your own complaint. This is my complaint. Oh God, this is my complaint. Just as David complained about his own. Lord, this is what I'm also complaining. Just as um, um, Asaph is complaining about what you did not do. Lord, me too, I have come to complain about this. You see, in the case of Asaph, Asaph said that you, you should even snap. Where is Psalm, Psalm 137? You know, David was so frustrated with the way the Babylonians were prospering that he said, Lord, smash the head of their babies on the wall. Smash it on the wall. I wanted to smash it on the wall. 
<laughs> you know, Lord, I feel like you should also, why are these guys getting better than result than me? They don't serve me the way I'm serving you. They, they are not fasting. But Lord, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave me like this? Look at David has complained about his own. Me too, I'm complaining. You know, lamentations. <laughs> do you understand? You put yourself in the shoe of the, of the psalmist. And you stand on that basis to now launch your own before the Lord. It's allowed. It's allowed. Hallelujah. So you see, that is, in fact, that is why they call it, another word for lamentation is imprecatory psalm. Imprecatory. Imprecatory. I-M-P-R-E-C-A-T-O-R-Y. Imprecatory. If you go and check, imprecatory means curse. Imprecatory means invocation. Imprecatory means to, to speak straight from your heart. Imprecatory psalm. In other words, you are pregnant with words. Let me put it that way. So you are saying the word like that. And we are going to look at some, some of them together when we, when we get there. So for instance now, okay, uh, let me just give you, um, let me, let, let's look at one of, one of them. Go, go to Psalm 137, verse uh, 7 to 9. Look at it. And, uh, and let's look at imprecation there. Psalm 137, uh, verse 7 to 9. Look at, let's look at an imprecation. Let's look at an imprecation in Psalm 137, verse 7 to 9. Whoever is there, please, I will appreciate it. Unless you guys are having technical issues, please be very fast. Look at it now. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom, in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, uh, raise it even to the foundation, raise it even to the foundation. Verse, uh, o daughter of Babylon, who, who are to be destroyed? Who are to be destroyed? Happy shall it be that rewarded thee as thou hast served us. Look at it now, verse 9. Happy shall he be that taketh and smasheth thy little one against the stones. You see? What is it? Now you look at it and say, hey, this one is hard. Well, if you feel like also smashing somebody's head against the stone. Well, the Bible says it's not wrong to say it, but say it so that you will not go and do it. Alright? Say it so that you, Lord, I feel like smashing his head to the stone. I feel like he should die. Say it before the Lord. Because you see, God wants you to be able to bear your mind before him. Instead of carrying, you know, when people understand this, they will no longer have IBP. I'm telling you, IBP will be gone in the life of a believer that understands this. I'm telling you. Because IB, blood pressure means that the thing, you are bearing it in your mind, you are not able to express it. Now, why should a Christian have IBP when you can praise lamentation psalm? Just pray it in psalm. Pray it and bear it all. You see that you'll be sleeping like a baby. Because you see, is the psalm that answer to that first Peter that says, casting all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares, casting all your troubles, for he cares for you. I hope you have understand that element. So the second element there is what? Complain. You lay your complaint before the Lord. Then the third thing you will see in Lamentation Psalm is trust. 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 So the psalmist immediately after the complaint expresses trust in God which serves as the basis for his complaint. Expresses trust in God which serves as a basis for his complaint. In other words, after he said, Lord, you know when you have bear it all, then he will see him now and say, Lord, indeed I trust. After all, I know that you will not just hear my complaint and look the other way. Indeed I trust. Lord, I know you will do something. So it then follows after complaint is expression of what 
trust. Then again, it goes to deliverance. The, next, the fourth element is deliverance. The fourth element is what? Deliverance. So, the point of deliverance is the psalmist cries out to God for deliverance from the situation described in the complaint. The psalmist cries out to God for deliverance from the situation described in what? In the complaint. Now, after you have bared all, you then you say, Lord, don't leave me like this. Lord, don't leave me like this. Please arise and come to my hate. Arise and come to my rescue. You know? So he expresses. He cry out to God for deliverance concerning the situation described in the complaint. The fifth element is assurance. The fifth element is assurance. The fifth element is assurance. The psalmist expresses the assurance that God will deliver. It's similar to the expression of trust. This assurance is also similar to the expression of prayer. Lord, I know you will hear me. I know you are hearing me. I know this is a prayer that must be answered. I know you will do something. I know you will not leave me. I know you will not forsake me. I know you are there. It's assurance. Then finally, praise. Finally, praise. Finally, praise. The psalmist offer praise, thanksgiving, and honoring God for the blessing of the past, present, and future. The psalmist offer praise, thanksgiving, and honoring God for the blessings of the past, present, and what? Future. So these are the six major elements of a lamentation psalm. So let's quickly go through them again. The first element is what? Address. Okay. It is, it, it, that is often the opening salvo that shows who the psalmist addressed to. The second one is what? Complain. Complaints. The third one is what? Trust. Fourth one is what? Deliverance. Fifth one is what? Assurance. Sixth one is what? Praise. Hallelujah. Okay. So, what we are going to do tonight, I want you to be able to apply this principle yourself, locating these six components in a psalm that I'm going to give to you. Because once you are able to do it, so what... What you will do on your table tonight is you want to find out these six components in the psalm I'm going to give to you. So, for instance, now you'll be able to say, We are going to do it as a short assignment. So, we are going to, when I'm going to be adding it on your table, so we are going to pick a psalm. Then you will tell me which one, where, verse what is the address, verse what is the trust expression, verse what is the complaint, verse what is the assurance. Verse what is the deliverance and verse what is what? The praise. We are going to do these six together. Now, because once you get it, anytime you pick a lamentation psalm, you will then be able to know that as you are reading it, using it to pray, you will know where to pause and amplify it further. Do you understand the whole thing? Because you know that now I have gone, got into the complaint part. Now, let me also state my own complaint right now before the Lord. I have gotten to the expression of trust part. Let me now restate my trust in the Lord. I have gotten to the point of assurance, you know, because once you are able to apply those six principles, then you will be able to apply it properly and then on every other lamentation psalms or imprecatory psalms. Uh, some of them are really imprecatory. Like, for instance, if you go to Psalm 35, for instance, now, you will see, give us Psalm 35. 
give us a thank you team you are doing a great job clap for the media team they are really really doing a great job amen okay so psalm 35 go to say a psalm of david oh lord oppose those who oppose me fight those who fight against me is there an address there Look at it. So you see, pause. Because it's going to be an interesting assignment on your table. I don't want to give you all the expo, but let's just quickly read Psalm 35. All right, let's just read Psalm 35 together. Everybody, let's go. One, two, go. It's Psalm of David. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Verse 2. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Now, listen to me. You will always see figure of speech, all right, in Psalms, all right? And um, one of the major figure of speech that is used, there are two that, that sound similar. Um, is simile and metaphor. Now, what is the difference between a simile and a metaphor? In English, um, a simile is, the, is when I make a comparison but I use the word like, like. So if I say your head like a lizard, that's a simile. Once you see like that, all right, uh, uh, that is a simile. So your, your mouth like a cockroach mouth. So once there is a like there, that is what? Simile. But metaphor, I'm just giving you the easiest way to understand it. Metaphor will not use like. Metaphor will do direct comparison. You are a lizard. You are a, your mouth is cockroach. You're, you have cockroach mouth. So you see that it is a like. It's in your mouth. So you see, when you then read, when you read Psalm, you will see a lot of metaphor there. It's not even using simile. It's using metaphor. So like this one say, put on your armor and take up shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. It's, it's just, it's using a figure of speed that makes God look like, it's, you know, it's, it's symbolism also. Like, he's imagining himself as a warrior. And when they say there is war, what will the warrior do? You will go and put on, so you could now, it has, it, you put on the helmet, you put on the, so this psalm already is telling you what the guy is thinking of. Lord, this is a serious thing. And like a soldier, I, you don't move too slow. So he tells you what is going on in his mind when he used this Psalm 2, verse 2. That he needs sharp, sharp words. Deliverance. He wants God to go and kill. He's, he's trying to say, Lord, I've, you know, I'm sending you like a warrior. Me, the way I fight is what I'm going to fight. He tells you, then this then tells you what is going through. The frustration in his life. They want to really kill him. Yeah, they really want to kill him. And, and this one, they really want to kill him. He said, this is a psalm when you feel that the whole world is against you. You know, you turn trouble, you turn trouble, you turn trouble. And this one is, you are not sure whether it's a demon. You know, don't you realize that there are some situations you are not sure whether it's demonic, whether it's spiritual, whether it's you at fault. So whichever one, you just want God to just, oh boy, oh God, wake up. Oh yeah, come and fight. You know, this is, do you understand? So I'm making you enjoy it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so verse 3. Look at it, verse 3. Lift up your spear. Do you see what he's doing? Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will leave you in victory. Now, if I'm to pray this prayer, do you know how I will pray it? Go back to verse 2. Let me tell you how I will pray this prayer. You can pray this way. Let me say, Oh Lord, put on your bulletproof. 
Wear your military gear. Wear your boots, oh God. Oh Lord, carry your AK-47. Lord, my God, carry your shakabula. My God, my God, carry your arm attack and go into battle, Lord. For this is becoming too much. Lord, lift up your AK-47, Lord. And your, uh, uh, we have to, because God is saying, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you may not necessarily use javelin here. What do, what do riot police use? What do military use? So you, you will sit back when you are praying Psalm 35 and look at what does Nigerian soldier use. So what does Navy, so you have, maybe you have to then go and research. Lord, hold your bullets. Hold your, hold your dagger knife. Lord my God, wear your helmet. Oh Lord, enter your armor car. Lord, enter your, what is that, um, what is that one that moves in the battle that has so many tires like that? You know? Tank, Lord, enter. Enter your tank. Lord, arise with your divine drones. Lord, use your drones against those who are now lifting. You should put drones there. Why are you talking about javelin when you have not seen javelin before? Who is using javelin? You will die if you are praying with javelin here. If you are calling God to use javelin in this age when you are praying sometimes the five. Ah, you, everybody is using um, AK-47. You are telling your own God to go to javelin. Me, I will not pray that way. I will pray, Lord, Enter your bulletproof. Take your um, AK-47. And my father, enter your armor tank. Oh Lord, release spiritual drones into the atmosphere. Let your uh, kamikaze drone crash into the temple of my enemy. Let your drone explode. Oh, that's how to pray. <laughs> that's how to pray. So whatever you understand, oh boy, which one, which thing they do you, oh boy? Ah, I'm praying Psalm 35. Psalm 35. Because now in my own time, there is no javelin anymore. It's, I have to use the weapon. I, I will not want my God. I'm telling you, when I'm praying this, I will not pray that God should go to javelin because that God will be defeated. I want a God that will not. Lord, go with your, uh, the, uh, you have to go and find out the drones. Go with your hypersonic missiles. And release spiritual hypersonic missiles. It, oh, that's how to pray. <laughs> You see, I told you that your prayer life will change. <laughs> are you with me? When people hear you, why are you praying like this? It's a modern way of praying Psalm 35. Alright? Go to verse 3. Say, lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will leave, I will, I will give you victory. Guys, I think you need to reduce your phone because some of the letters, reduce your resolutions because some of the letters are out of the screen, okay? Pay attention to what you are broadcasting. All right. Bring shame and disgrace to those trying to, trying to humiliate, trying ill, trying to humiliate me. Turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. You, so in other words, you have seen the, you have seen. So when you first carry that psalm of lamentation or you carry your imprecatory psalm, if you want it to be effective, I'm telling you, apply those six things. First, carry it. You circle. So this is, because you are preparing for battle. So you say verse 1 and 2 is addressed. Or verse 1 and 7 is addressed. Then you go again. Okay, verse 2 and 3 is talking about assurance. Put it there. Verse 4 and eight, 6 is trust. Then you know, oh, verse 7 and 8, complain. 7, complain. 9, complain. 10, complain. 11, complain. You mark out all the complaint. So you mark it out. You finish Then You look at the praise. So you now have your six components. Then start your prayer. So when you hear that one, you too, you complete. Go, you, go, you are using it. Remind me of my word. All right? So you use that formula like that. Precept upon precept to guide 
to guide your, your lamentation prayer. And you will see. Take it from me. Take it from me. You will begin to see more results. Even prayer, you will finish praying like this. You are happy. You know you have gone to spiritual warfare. You are happy. You yourself, you know that God has done so. Even the enemy around your house, when they hear you praying, they will think that, they will know that, yeah, even if you're a witch, we hear that, oh boy, don't go to that guy. He, he understands the principle now. Praise God. Okay, so this is what we're going to end tonight. So we're going to then do a quick uh, breakdown. We're going to collect our offering as usual. Um, um, I'm, I'm going to give us just 15 minutes, 20 minutes to quickly do it. Then I will, quick, I will come back to then ask you the discovery on each table. But because of our online audience who may not have the opportunity to wait till that, I've given you those um, breakdown of how to pray using your lamentation um, psalms. And I've given you the element of a lamentation psalm so that for effective prayer, okay, so you can take it, develop it, and um, do your own uh, intimate research. However, right now, we need to close um, because we need to divide ourselves into those small groups we, uh, that we belong to to quickly practice and apply what we have learned tonight. So I hope that those of you who have joined online, you can also take our time to find out and practice. If you have any question, um, contribution, and any clarification, please feel free to send us a mail um, at info or is zero eight zero nine eight hundred twenty two twenty two. All right, we'll be willing and waiting to